And welcome to the Plant a Trillion Tree podcast. I'm Eva Monheim. And I'm Hal Rosner. We're both certified arborists, credentialed by the International Society of Arboriculture. The purpose of our podcast is to encourage tree planting and proper tree care for our urban forest, which includes neighborhoods, parks, and other open space. We'll also cover the importance of the already existing tree cover and the benefits. So welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Joining us today is Bob Gutowski. Bob is the Director of Education and Visitor Experience at the Morris Arboretum of the University of Pennsylvania. He comes with a strong foundational background in urban forestry. Locally, he served six years on the state of Pennsylvania's Tree Vitalizing Steering Committee. He's been advisor for many years for the Pennsylvania Riparian Forest Buffer Initiative. In his home community, He's been the chair of the Springfield Township Planning Commission and also vice president of the Springfield Township Historical Society. Bob received the Chelsea Flower Show Gold Medal Award and the State of Pennsylvania's Governor Award for Environmental Excellence. He's a well-rounded horticulturist and mentor to many. So, Bob, we're lucky to have you, especially since you're going to be retiring in just about 30 days. Welcome. Oh, I'm sorry. I fell asleep while you were reading that. Uh, <laughs> I forgot to mention self-deprecating dude from Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I recently figured out that uh, I will have worked 13,113 days at the Arboretum. It sounds like you've had some time on your hands. Yeah, you know, and, but and that's, if it, that's a, it's, it's a good number because that's, I think about the number of plants in our collection, and I was thinking back on the number of trees I've planted or, you know, been a, a participated in planting, and the number's bigger than that. So I, I guess in my career at the Arboretum anyway, I, I've planted a whole Arboretum worth of trees. I think that's a good start towards a trillion. What, if we each planted 13 or 15,000 or 20,000 trees a piece, we could, uh, over a lifetime, we could be we could be getting there. I like it. I like it. Uh, that is a, uh, a admirable goal. Hey, uh, you submitted something, and I really liked it. I shared it with Eva. You know, it was some of the nicest tree writing I've read in, in quite a while. So... So how you asked me for a bio, and I, I don't have never written a bio. I, I know I sent you my resume. Uh, my bio would go something like this. Uh, born in Pittsburgh, 1949, still living. I participated in my uh, first tree planting when I was about six. It was at Canada Hemlock. My dad uh, bought live Christmas trees. He was a machinist. He bought live Christmas trees, and he planted one every year. And each of the kids had a tree of their own. A hemlock for my sister and spruce and pines for the boys. And this was on a shaley hillside, soil that gives a shovel a predictable and persistent rebuttal. We used lots of peat moss and compost added to that. Uh, since then, I've done a lot of stuff with a lot of great people. 
other animals, plants, and earthly things. I've admired the stars and the planets and the silent vast of night. Dug a lot of holes, many of them during my more than 13,000 days with the Morris Arboretum. I'm going to retire on Labor Day. I've been working for wages since I was 12 years old, stocking shells and pushing sugar goods at the corner store. I'm going to keep on digging holes to plant things for as long as I can and as deep and as wide as I can with as much love as I can muster. When you dig a hole, dig it with love. I love that. So wonderful. Beautiful. Because when you do something with love, whether it's digging a hole and planting a tree or whether it's cooking a pot of soup, uh, it, it just permeates everyone who comes in contact with it. And I know you, Bob, from uh, working at the Mars Arboretum, doing lectures over there and uh, seeing you when I'm attending a class there. And you have interacted with the community with exuberance. And I think that that really comes uh, through and encourages people to be enthusiastic about gardening and about trees and about visiting Arboreta and Botanic Gardens. I really have been impressed with your work at the Arboretum and of course the Arboretum being the only Pennsylvania State Arboretum uh, is an example for people to come and look and see what the Arboretum has so that they can learn about their environment. I think it's, it's really a uh, a kudos to you for the work that you've done at the Arboretum. Well, that's kind of you to say so. You know, the Arboretum is a place to do things, and it's a place that does things. And certainly it operates with the community, but I think it's a little bit more than a place to go and see things and get ideas. I mean, that certainly happens. It's certainly a great place to go, but it's really, oh, man, it's just so valuable to have those kinds of places. You know, the idea, one of the original ideas or old ideas of botanic gardens was the, it is before they discovered the new world, was that if you could gather all the plants of the, of the known world into one place, you would recreate the Garden of Eden, a paradise. And in a way, every backyard, and in a lot of cases, every side lot, the little place where you got vegetation growing, you really have a chance to touch that uh, paradise. You know, I felt that way so often in the morning. I don't know what your routine is in the morning, but uh, one of mine has always been to step outside. Mm -hmm. And you just step outside and you, uh, and I'm usually up before the sun, and the birds are starting to sing. You can, you get those smells, you see the trees, uh, hopefully you got trees to look at. And it's just saying, wow, you know, thanks. It's a great way to start the day, you know, to have that contact, to to open up, to open up to it. People talk about mindfulness. There's a, there's a part of living which is letting go of your mind and just trying to uh, let, the, let the earth touch you. That's where the love comes in. You know, a lot of people talk about the earth as Mother Earth. Imagine Mother Earth loving you. You know, we often talk about you got to show your love. That's why I say you dig a hole, you dig a hole with love. It's like because, you know, you're interacting with your mother or you're interacting with your brother or your father or your favorite uncle or your best cousin or best friend. This is 
this is a life that we're a part of and it's part of what gives us life, you know, like a mother gives her children life. If we could just just work to to return that love. And some of that is, I mean, you're talking, you know, this is the trillion tree thing, right? I, and planting trees, what a, what a great way to say, oh, yeah, this was a good idea, Mom. Yeah, I can do that too, you know? Mm. And you get out there and you, you plant some trees and, and you're planting them to help yourself and help each other. And, and, it, and it's a place for the birds and the bugs and it's a place for the sun to shine through and, and, and make air. You know, sooner or later, you know, we'll, we'll hit another catastrophe that, that wipes out all the mammals. But, you know, like uh, the dinosaurs were wiped out. But we don't want to be the ones that wipe ourselves out. You know, and that's sort of what's happening slowly, incrementally right now with all the, uh, you can plant a hole, you, you can dig a hole to plant a tree or uh, to plant some long beans or to, to plant some basil or a magnolia. But you can also dig a hole because I want to get that coal out, uh, you know, and then what do you do with that hole? Why did you dig that hole? I, I'm going to dig that hole to get to some more whatever, uranium, or I'm going to dig a hole to make a moat. I'm going to dig a hole to uh, 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 separate uh, uh, two communities. We should use this pandemic to reflect on on how tenuous our hold on on life is as a species. Climate change maybe isn't uh, immediate enough for people, but if we start to re reflect on on the ephemeralness of individual life and the long lasting span of life as an arc, as an arc in this universe. Uh, the life uh, that we know, boy, it won't be here forever, but it's what's given to us now. It's what we're a part of right now as individuals. And so how do we respond to that? How do we take responsibility for that? So what else you got to inquire about? We're going to jump right into it. This has been an interesting week, as we say, in terms of weather-related events. We saw torrential rains, high winds, tornadoes touching down. And if I had to give you a softball type question, are big trees still relevant to the home landscape or are they a liability? Based on upheaval, epic uh, trunk and limb failure, uh, damage to property, are we going in the wrong direction with uh, having homeowners plant big trees? I've got a little lot. It's 150 foot deep and 75 feet wide. It's got a house on it and a garage and a vegetable garden. So I've planted since I've been here, which is only three years, I've planted a, a chestnut oak, a, a nissa, a bald cypress, a dawn redwood, a American <laughs> linden, uh, and an amelanchier. Uh, a sycamore, you know, buttonwood, um, oh, Pinus bungiana, and uh, a red oak seedling the squirrels planted, but I've been encouraging. What wow. do you think about putting that on, like, you know, about 100 square feet? Amazing. It's, it's, it's interesting that you're saying that there's an article um, from France. There was a woman who is creating these new... Um,
Woodland, they're done in very small spaces, which your property reminds me of. They plant several hundred to a thousand different right. trees and shrubs in this one small space. And what what the purpose of it is is to create diversity very quickly right. and allow um, things that you know to take over, do their natural progression, and to create these small forests quickly so that we can uh, circumvent our problems with CO2 and pollution, etc. Well, then the theory on that, and they do that in Japan as well, is is the is that it'll work itself out that something will come to dominate. But you do get a lot. You do get a lot of uh, in the early stages. You get a lot of stems, so you get a lot of carbon sequestration very quickly. Right. But it's right. not sustainable at that rate. You have to start removing trees, and they'll compete with each other. And I know in my case, um, well, some of these trees will go away. But hey, I only got so long to live, so I want to see some of them grow. I love the birds. I love the bugs. Uh, I love love the creatures. I want to see them, uh, give them a, a place to be and to enrich my life and give them a chance. But the question is, so me as an example, I'm nuts, right? So <laughs> you're not going to tell people to do that, uh, to plant like that. I expect the chestnut oak out on the street is going to be there for a long time. It's not under any, not under any wires. And there's not another tree on our street. It's, it's, it's just one of the things that's amazing we walked in here when we moved in here. I looked up and down the street. This is this whole side of the street. It's Everyone has a lawn care company come in and, and mow and weed whack, but there's no trees. And uh, so, you know, I got my Arbor Day tree and I planted that. Not, not from the foundation, but from the township Arbor Day. I got the leftover Charlie Bound brown tree that no one wanted which one was uh, that which one was that it was, chest, it was a chestnut oak oh, okay if i scan around there's a few what you would call mature trees in you know people's backyards and up in the the higher priced homes up on the hill and when they go people aren't replacing them what you see as replacement is there's a crepe myrtle there's another another Japanese, weeping Japanese maple. There's uh, Styrax, talk about, you know, food fodder for the uh, uh, spotted lanternfly. Uh, so it's all small trees, and uh, that's not going to have the same function. Maybe that's what we need. Is it past time for homeowners? I think homeowners are going to become more and more scared you're just going to be scared of having canopy trees. Take it down before it falls on my house. Exactly. And uh, if that's the case, what's the role of the municipalities and, uh, you know, the local jurisdictions in making sure that we have the trees that we need? How do we use our parks? How do we use our open spaces? Do you even have a zoning designation? for a, a, a conservation area or a natural, you know, an ec ecological zone. Do you have a code that says, this is an area where the township's going to manage a woods? No, that, that kind of stuff is crazy thinking. You know, people don't want to think that way because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, the big open space is going to be the golf course and the cemetery.
Well, take it back to the homeowner, though, uh, Bob. Aren't there going to be some small trees, medium-sized trees that we can advocate for and hope that nurseries have them in inventory? Yeah, I mean, you can you can advocate, and you should be advocating, particularly who grows sassafras anymore or persimmon. You know, these yeah. you know some really great trees. We ought to be planting trees like that, and it'll add to diversity. But the, but for me, the point is, homeowners live in communities. So where in the community is the tree canopy? Where are the mature trees? Where are the big trees that have the great value in carbon sequestration and wildlife that mm -hmm. have more value to migrating birds that um, uh, you know clean more air or more power, much better in stormwater management? How do we how do we encourage people to plant them? When I say I got all these big trees, most of them are, aren't going to fall on my house or I've planted them where I know an arborist can get to them. But maybe you're only going to grow that tree for 50 years, right? So I could see managing our street, the street I'm looking at there now, you say, we're going to do rotation. Uh, the township's going to have a plan, we can hope, that where they say we do need trees in our township, we're going to plant them on the streets, we're, we're going to have it, the township's going to take responsibility for that, but we know we're going to remove them before they they reach that hazard threshold, and you say, okay, I can I can replant this this tree. This tree's good for the next fifty years if I look at it. But then I have to replant it. It's part of the infrastructure, just like your sewer system, your your gas your gas delivery, your electrical lines. Those things all have a life. So does the useful functional. There's probably a useful functional life in denser residential areas for mature trees. You don't want a hundred-year-old oak sitting on your street. Mm -hmm. You know that's, you know that's probably that's trouble. I'm going to plant a, an oak, but I'm going to probably remove it when it's fifty or sixty years old. Still economical to remove, and then I'm going to have a use for that wood. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to try to prune these so they have a good bowl on them. So at the end of it, I've got some wood I can take to the mill. Yeah, Eva talks about that a lot in terms of proper, sustainable repurposing of wood. Yeah, there's an organization called the Urban Wood Network out of Wisconsin yeah. that came about because of the Emerald the great state, The great state of Wisconsin. The great state of Wisconsin, <laughs> yes. And so our company, uh, Bird and Earth Educators, uh, is the first in Pennsylvania to be a member of it. We're advocates for it because we believe that urban wood it can actually reduce the overall um, harvesting of, of farmed wood because there's so much of it and it doesn't have to go as far. So but it has to be managed in a way that that's the goal. You have to have like an urban forest management plan that says part of it is we, you know, we're going to harvest this. So you manage it for that harvest. Uh, very few uh, municipalities have regulations which uh, cover uh, uh, the management of uh, trees or the preservation of trees on private property, uh, on individual property. A very few municipalities have an arborist, even a, you know, a circuit arborist who part-time. It's just kind of, it's not what we do. Trees aren't seen as a resource. If it's not in the forest and we're not timbering it, how can it be a resource? But boy, it's an important part of the infrastructure of the city. 
of any community for the for just the way it looks, but also the quality of the air, the uh, uh, quality of the water, the quality of the soil. Well, Bob, uh, you know, I, I work for a private tree care company. I'm watching yeah. our log truck come in on a daily basis and unload the red oak, the white pine, the ash, the elm. It's not uh, intermittent and sporadic. It's every day that truck is coming in fully loaded, along with every truck coming in with a pretty full load of wood chips, and maybe they've even been back during the day to dump once. My taking away from from those observations, I have a strong sense that we are not just in the city of Philadelphia, where we know we have issues with our canopy and canopy loss, but in suburban communities as well, we are losing canopy, we are taking trees down faster than we can possibly keep up with the planting. So something's going on and maybe I'm that canary in the coal mine of watching canopy diminish and wondering how do we play catch up. And the one final comment to that is you've shared a lot of, you know, good stuff in terms of where you live and what your township is able to do. But it is about resources and it primarily it's going to be about monetary resources. Some of these communities can keep an arborist going can have quality equipment and quality personnel. But most of the time, that's not the case. So it's about, it's, it, it comes down to values. How does the community come to value trees in such a way that it becomes a part of the law of the community? And the law of the community is really just the, the manifestation of our most core values. You know, as you've seen the canopy disappear, now I don't mean to imply causality, but environmental education has practically disappeared from the school curriculum. Mm. Biological education, if it's not involved with medicine, has practically disappeared from our school curriculum. Uh, you have family after family who doesn't know how to play outside unless it's some kind of sport or involves a vehicle or shopping yes you know or shopping outside yeah we can go to the to the market hopefully the farmers market your local farmers market <laughs> and um so how do we switch that hey guys how do you get how do you 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 get people to think that's important enough that we all agree we all agree we actually want to see trees in all part available to all of our community, all of our community, not just the wealthiest community parts of the community with the biggest spaces and ample parks, but how do we make access to the benefits of a tree canopy available to the entire community, to all of our neighbors, all of our cousins and brothers and sisters? How do we make it available to us all? Because... Um, in order to develop as a as a uh, as a human being, as a, as a person, as an animal, as a, as a part of a population, if you don't if you don't as a youth have an have a sufficient interaction with natural processes when you're very young, you will never understand 
or appreciate that. And it may mean, if you're part of an immobile population, that you will never get the benefits that come with that because you, because you, it's, it's just such an uphill battle all the time. So here's a possibly a, uh, uh, a happy and optimistic and hopeful uh, anecdote again is uh, in the city of Philadelphia, we have the East Falls neighborhood and the East Falls tree tenders group has been very active there for 20 years. Um, And I met with a, a client last week who happened to maintain the East Falls tree tenders database. So here you have a private citizen doing her part with, uh, what what do you say it in the Arboretum world, accession and deaccessioning, and you walk and drive the streets or bicycle the streets of East Falls, and you see the fruition of an active citizen tree planting initiative. So this is the city of Philadelphia. We're not going to yeah. have shiny uh, trucks and chippers and uh, certified arborists caring for the collection. But you are yeah. going to see amelanchier, red maple, cherries, the whole range of tree tender type trees lining street after street. And I think it's working. Yeah. I also think that with COVID, you know, of children being at home and being taught, taught on Zoom, that they can make a difference when it comes to trees by going out and doing observations with their parents. You know, they have to go out and walk a couple streets and bring it back data, um, wearing their masks, and uh, it could be done. And it also has to be stressed about the, not only the benefits of clean air, but benefits of being able to turn your air conditioner off, even on a hot day when, when you have a canopy that can cool your home down or, you know, a, an evergreen that can keep your home warmer because it's, it's there to protect your home from cold winter winds and it reduces your heat loss and, and your heat use. Um, all of these things have, have merit and they, they can be calculated and calculations Deans are the only way that people respond to things. And I think that, that those are some of the things that can be done to help support uh, tree planting and also uh, the preservation of old trees, um, knowing that they can be maintained in a way that they can last a couple hundred years by good maintenance. Um, so there's a lot of different ways, but I don't think we've gotten creative enough yet. Yes, I mean, yes. Yes, there are more ways to do it. There's ample opportunities. Is it the will that we need to have? Is that what it is? Oh, no, there's a lot. You know, people people have different opinions, you know, and uh, people have different desires, and how I, I think it's the it's the connection. You have to get to the point where we have enough people who are connecting, who are stepping out. We think it's a good idea to step outside in the morning, not just because that's my route, but who appreciate, who can look out there and, and look at that tree and say, this is good. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are plenty of people who will step outside, look at a tree, and say, "God damn, starling shitting all over my my Camaro." You know, <laughs> well, we got enough of that. You know, or it's dropping acorns on my car. Cut it down. Oh, I hear that all the time, or in the swimming pool. You know, I, but yeah. the go. You know, well, you could sweep. You know, but you know, you got to sweep for two weeks, and you get the tree for fifty. You know. I, there's a case in point where I had a neighbor who had two female ginkgos in front of their house and we lived in an Asian community and I said all you have to do is pick up the telephone and call the Chinese market the people will come and pick them up and he goes oh no and I said yes do it you'll see you won't have to worry about it and sure enough the following day there was this a group of Asian um, people that came out with their bags and they were picking up the, because that was important to them for their medicinal uh, usage and, and, and their, the, and their recipes for their meals. And or white I nuts. could not, we could not believe that. So, you know, the white nuts, of course, you know, that's good. And they taste a little like water chestnuts and I've, and I've had them and I've cooked them and they're, they're fine. You know, you can get them in a can, but you can also harvest them and I've done that. They say one of the medicinal uses, and you know, this uh, the ginkgo is one of the top value medicinal trees uh, in Europe. There, it's uh, pollinated and just you know uh, harvested in Germany. It's a it's a high value pharmaceutical because of its uh, reputed um, effect on uh, memory. You know, it's as a memory improvement. And I and and I used to think this is. No, this is not true. But in fact, it is true. And I, I, guarantee, I guarantee this, that if you collect some of that fresh fallen fruit, and you have to wear gloves, you know, if you if you want to avoid some of the, the things, but you collect some of that fresh fallen fruit, mash it, apply it to your scalp, and give it a little massage, you'll have an experience you will never forget. I have never heard that one before. So I that, that that's really... Yeah, yeah, right. I think uh, speaking of pollarding, I think it, don't they pollard? Old joke, so don't do that. Don't do that, folks. <laughs> when you say pollard, aren't they pollarding uh, at, at ground level? I think yeah, pollarding's yeah. the wrong word for that. Yeah. They're stool stool culture uh, or coppicing. Yeah, yeah coppicing. but they're running farm equipment. And they're mowing ginkgos down at about 12 inches. So they're just harvesting the sprouts, if you can visualize that. Yeah, because they're using the whole plant. They're using, like, the greenish sprouts and using, um, uh, yeah. I was just going to I was just going to say, um, can you, I, I know that uh, Morris Arboretum has lost a couple of their very large trees. Um, I know their sawtooth oak um, went down um, yeah. in the last storm which was so heartbreaking and uh, i know you've recently lost the bender oak and uh, how how does that make how does that make you feel and also how does it change the or the opportunity for the arboretum if you work with trees or you live with you live with trees and you're aware of them as part of your as part of your life you see trees come and go uh, so a big tree goes, it's sad, but it's not, I'm not the kind of person personally who gets disheartened because I see all the young trees. I see the generations. 
You know, it's like I'm about to retire, right? Am I all sad and brokenhearted about it? No, because I see really good people who are coming up to replace me, who are going to be the leaders of the Arboretum going forward, and be the people who are, are carrying forth the mission, you know. And I think it's the same. You lose the bender oak, well, geez, actually now you can see better at the top of the hill. Maybe we can uh, have a better visitor uh, um, entry experience without that barrier of the big tree. But we're going to keep planting trees, so we're going to plant them in other places. Um, we, we lost the sawtooth oak. Well, that was the famous sawtooth oak of its day. Those, some of those other plants are going to be the famous big trees later. The point is to keep planting and have generations. One of the reasons that the, the city and a lot of communities get into such trouble, uh, residential neighborhoods, is you have a lot of trees planted at one time, and then they're not, and then they start falling down. Right, all at the same time, but there's no middle generation to come up. You see this in parks, you see this in re recreation areas, and uh, I can see that throughout the area where I live. You have single generation plantings. It's like a single age woodland, a single age forest. It's okay, but you're going to lose it all at once. So if you take a management approach, and this is something we could do that the Arboretum does, and people can do in their own neighborhoods, in their own yards, in their own communities, it's like prepare the next generation. That way you lose you lose a big tree, you've got the you've got the replacements already there and they're already adding value and they soften somewhat the blow. Um, does that sort of answer what you're getting at? Um, a, a lot of people might um, come to the arboretum and wonder, you know, where did the tree go? What's happening? Uh, they they might not be aware of the regime that the, the Arboretum has for replanting trees. Although I know that after the tornado back in, I think it was in the 90s. That 91, came through, yeah. yeah, that came through the Arboretum. You lost a, a huge amount of trees, but you were right back at it planting the, the new Oak Alley and, and planting other trees from the different expeditions that um, your teams were on uh, abroad, and yeah. and I think that a lot of people don't know that, and they don't understand that that, that is a major part of the Arboretum. I, I, let's take that beyond the Arboretum. I think, one, because people, so many people, are so unaware of the world that they live in, they don't take into account that there's a life cycle to this. It's sort of a taking it for granted as part of the background, like a wall, a visual wall out there. But that tree, I'm looking at uh, uh, a, uh, a black cherry behind a house across the street. Well, you know what? That's certainly lived a long, good life, and it's bound to go. Uh, last year, I watched a, um, a uh, big hemlock come down. Uh, across the road too. So these trees have their life. And if you're aware of that, it's like you accept it. You don't accept it without missing a tree that you become fond of, you know, but you see it's a, gener it's a generational activity. Trees are alive. We're alive. We share that. We are part of the same experience. We are both in life. We are in life and of life. 
I think just to come full circle, I want to thank you again for all that you've done. Uh, I want to wish you the very, very best for uh, what the next chapter of your life, as we say, in retirement. And I really appreciate you being so candid with some of your uh, more esoteric comments, because uh, this is a platform for it. Whether you want to grab the cliche of love is the answer, I mean, I think Eva and I share where you were going with these comments of knitting together, you know, these big issues of the day uh, as we all kind of pull on our boots and move forward with with doing our very best to solve these big issues, tree-related, long-bean-related, or otherwise. Kind of honored to have my never having heard a podcast to actually be on one. Uh, oh, you know, you're great. <laughs> I, I will say, you know, it's it's easy for tree people to opine. Agreed. <laughs> well, thanks again, Bob, for being our guest. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yep. Thanks for having me. And you guys keep up the good work, okay? All right. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.